I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Oi, oi, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome back to another episode of Tom Lucy Plus One. Uh, my name is Tom Lucy. I'm a comedian. I'm 21 years old, and this is the podcast where I chat to different people from the world of entertainment. Um, and this week, we're talking to the impressionist and actor and comedian Luke Kempner. Uh, Luke is amazing, and he's a, a good mate of mine. And uh, he, he invited me round to his house and we sat in his kitchen and we stroked his dog and we talked for a while. And uh, I think it, you're going to really enjoy it. So 
Here we go. This is my chat with the brilliant impressionist, actor, comedian, writer, Luke Kempner. What did you say your, your dog's name is? Pongo. Is it just one dog? Yeah. Pongo. We talk about Pongo. He's quite interesting. He's had quite an interesting career himself. What? Well, let's talk about Pongo. Then. Let's talk about Pongo. Yeah. He's, what, um, um, what, uh, are we are we on? We on? Yeah. 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 Uh, he uh, so Pongo was in. Um, he was in the musical Legally Blonde. Really? Yeah. Because like before, um, I'm sure we'll talk about. It, but like before, I got into comedy. I was in um, musical theatre. Right. So yeah. I was, and uh, and. But Is that how you met Ponga? Well, it kind of really. It's it actually. It's one of those things. It's sort of a coincidence. Is that basically he was in the musical Legally Blonde, and my mates were in musical Legally Blonde, and they oh, were yeah. like, and me and my wife were talking about getting a dog, and they were like, oh, they're rehoming these chihuahuas from uh, Legally Blonde. <laughs> So they retired from yeah. acting. And, uh, but I knew the woman who was training these dogs because when I was a kid growing up, there was a woman who lived down our road. Here he comes. Um, ears are burning. <laughs> well, we were slagging you off. Um, so, so, yeah, and she used to live, our damn road, uh, live down our road and provide animals for, um, for film and TV. Right, yeah. and, uh, so And so our cat, when, before I was born, like a couple of years before I was born, uh, yeah. was in the film Aliens. Wow. Yeah. So, so you've had a lot of famous A lot of famous, pets. yeah, exactly. It looks something, you know, pets that have better CVs than me. It's, it's very sad. Um, <laughs> but they no. Pay, I mean, without, they, don't they pay, like, a lot for the famous animals? Well, the thing is, is I wasn't, I don't even know. I don't think so. I think yeah. they do pay, but I don't, I don't know what, Pongo, what did you get? I can't remember. I remember finding out, um, I was doing this tour, and, uh, um, <laughs> Uh, without wishing to name any names, there yeah. was a horse in the show. I think you know exactly. Oh, you... oh yes. And I remember finding out at the end of the tour that the horse was being paid more than I was. No. <laughs> oh, but then mate. apparently, like that's really normal for these like animals that are really well, yeah, especially and... a horse. A horse think... is uh, yeah quite a big. Uh... It's a lot of it is all the insurance and stuff around them. This is great chat, but like, but it's <laughs> the thing of like I remember like when they were trying to get they wanted horses in Oliver. They wanted like, a Shire horse yeah. to be in the musical Oliver. But it was yeah. like, you'd have to reinforce the stage and stuff like that. The whole thing <laughs> cost a fortune. Reinforce the stage. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, uh, but now we've had Pongo now for like five years. So he's quite old, actually. He's like 11. Um, oh, wow. And, you know, he's going blind and he's a bit nuts. He's had a but, life in show business. Though. I mean, you know. He's seen some stuff, hasn't he? Yeah, well, he likes you. Yeah. Yeah. So I've been basically starting by just talking to you about how, the, how they got started in, in okay. that career yeah 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 so yeah. how old were you when you started so I was well I went to drama school when I was 18 yeah uh, in Guildford and then no I trained way. in Guildford yeah well no GSA. I went to GSA yeah. yeah cool I know people oh mate yeah, the yeah. conservatoire <laughs> uh, yeah so I'm part of the GSA massive um, <laughs> and uh, so I went there when I was 18 and uh, yeah. and trained in musical theatre it was sort of all I wanted to do really was being mm. Les Mis. Um, Specifically Les Mis? Yeah, like that and Avenue Q, which is, we'll get on to that, but it's like, that is, were my two shows I wanted to do, because I loved doing voices yeah. and a comedy, and I also, like, my mum loved Les Mis, I was brought up on Les Mis, like, the CD, Yeah. Um, and so, like, those were the two shows I always wanted to do, and so then I did train for three years until I was 21, 
and then left and like after about a year of getting very close to a few jobs in musical theatre I then got Les Mis mm. and did that for a year and then I did Avenue Q shortly wow, after so Les Mis yeah. was your first job. first big musical theatre job that's mad like the job the, my sort of first job was I did a little play called New Boy um, which was at uh, the Tabard Theatre yeah. in Chiswick and and then after that I did a film with Ray Winston which nobody has seen wow. <laughs> called Fathers of Girls um, <laughs> and that's, yeah that's like a safety video yeah <laughs> yeah exactly and, and it, it starred his daughter Lois Winston and and Ray yeah Ray my mate do you uh, still keep in touch with him no, no I haven't spoken to him since uh, <laughs> since the film um, but he yeah and basically like his daughter was like a drug addict and I was the boyfriend and he sort of came and intimidated me as like oh, wow you know which was quite cool that's fine, isn't I had like one scene with him which was like a sort of seven minute scene of him just sort of berating me about like um, you can find it if you YouTube it it's somewhere I'll find it and him just sort of going oh you know you gave all these drugs and stuff like that and I was like oh I didn't I Ray absolutely love to be a uh, Shout to that by Yeah, Winston. I know. Well, that was the other dream after Lamey's and <laughs> Avenue Q. Everything by yeah, I know exactly. That was it. <laughs> and then I just quit uh, to do comedy. But so it was. Um, it was one of these things. It was amazing, and I did. I was really, really excited by it. But it's like it's one of these things like like the first sort of nine ten months, which in, now I look back at it, really wasn't a long time. But at the time, I was like, God, I've. I haven't worked for like 10 months and I was sort of working as a receptionist in the hairdressers and, mm. and then I'd done that film with Ray Winston I was waiting to get paid for that and I'd not been paid for that and you know like when people say they're skint but what they mean is like they're in their overdrafts I was, I was yeah. like skint where it's like you know and over the overdraft for sure yeah and and someone had lent me I, I got a panto in Liverpool and yeah. someone in the cast had lent me 20 quid but I paid for something and the tenner they'd given me back in the shop was an old £10 note Right. So then I couldn't use that. So I literally <laughs> couldn't eat. And I was like literally like waiting for this this money to go in and stuff like and it was just it was one of those moments that you're like, I'm hoping one day yeah. I'll be doing an interview with Tom Lucy and I can <laughs> yeah. tell him this story. So how old were you then? Twenty two then. Okay. Yeah, twenty two. So was that the sort of point where you decided to stop musical theatre? No, that was that was before I got Lay Miz. So I did Lay Miz when I was about twenty two. Yeah. For a year. And then I did Avenue Q yeah. uh, for another sort of eight or nine months. Then I did a show called South Pacific. Yeah. Uh, I did it like in London and then, and then on tour. And then basically it was during South Pacific. And to be honest, even before I'd got South Pacific, I got to a point where I was like, I sort of was getting a bit fed up with musical theatre. It's like, I enjoy yeah. it, but you're eight times a week doing the same thing. Yeah. And I've always, I've always enjoyed doing impressions and comedy. And that's what I'd done at, when I was at drama school. I used to get up at the Christmas Carol concert and do all, do an impression of all the teachers. Yeah. And the, and to be honest with you, it's still in the same format that I do it now. Yeah. Is that I always did it. It was never you know I never do a sort of like oh have you funny thing about Tom Lucy is uh, he looks like <laughs> that he's uh, he's just opened the fridge and the milk stinks you know like I don't I don't do you know, so my thing has always been like through a story so you know yeah. I think the first set I ever did was like oh you know we had this teacher called. Roth Campbell, who was like, um, he was always talking about bringing out this book. I've got a book coming out and you're going to buy it and it's going to be the best singing book you've ever seen. And so I did this story about how it was like, everyone was um, was planning uh, how they were going to sell Ross's book. And then it was yeah. a way of getting all the other teachers in and then it That's was great. just little hooks on each observations of all the teachers. I, and- I saw this old video of... Um, uh, Jimmy Fallon because mm. I think he started as an impression. Yeah, yeah, his impressions are really good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And um and his whole set, his like first sort of comedy set was um 
people selling a, a troll doll. Oh, so it was like right. different celebrities doing adverts for, great. for yeah, it. And yeah, you'd yeah, hold yeah. the doll and just change who the celebrity oh, was doing the advert. Great. Yeah, yeah, it's like yeah, a exactly. really cool way of like doing yeah, it Yeah, completely. And that's like the thing of like, I think, because it's weird with impressions, it's sort of got this like... There's sometimes a weird sort of stigma to it, especially sort of in amongst com- the com- the comedy world of people sort of go, oh, you do impressions? Like, a sort of like, oh, you do that? And yeah. it's like, until you like see what you can do with it, it yeah. doesn't have to be this kind of like thing of like, and that, you know, like it's sort of like a dirty thing, you know, it's it's really fun. It's and great. It's, and and, and it, to, 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 to put a show on and write a show, you yeah. can't just go... Isn't it interesting that Andy Murray always sounds like he's really bored? Like you know, like you can do that, and people might go, "Oh yeah, that really sounds like Andy Murray." Yeah. But then what you're going to do? Go, well, now I'm bored about this. You know, yeah, like yeah. you've got a, you know, where I've, you know, like my thing with Andy Murray is I make him sort of like he's still a teenager sort of thing or even younger you know and he's like yeah. oh you know I was really excited when I won Wimbledon mum took me to the McDonald's birthday area and, you know sort of like <laughs> then building stuff on top of that and then yeah. you can you know and I think in my last show I had a, a thing where it was like Bear Grylls bear hunt yeah and so it's Bear Grylls so it was like his show The Island but yeah. he was taking you know we had, we had with us we had David Attenborough and we also had Andy Murray and uh, it's pretty extreme stuff Andy we also had Louis Theroux there as well and Louis was always going you know do you think bear that this kind of this whole hunt is like you exploring your inner self do you think <laughs> and you know and Attenborough sort of going you know you're not quite as good as me yeah and uh, Andy sort of going oh I'm used to really extreme stuff like this you know and, yeah um, uh, so I hadn't thought about yeah. that but if you're doing an hour of impressions I suppose after 20 minutes it's quite hard oh, to yeah people get a bit bored of just one just impression of after. course yeah. and it really varies though, because then if you're doing a club yeah. set, yeah. then actually to do a sketch like that is a lot harder because an audience is going, I don't know you and I don't want to know if I want to buy into this sketch. Yeah. So it's like, I'm like, well, in a gig, like a real clubby sort of gig, I've got to be like a bit quicker at the front and be like, I right, I need to go like, pow, pow, I pow. Just, I can't imagine you doing that in a club ever doesn't kill. Imagine people love it in clubs. No, it varies. It really varies really? because like... Because it's so. Because if if you're on a lineup of like three, sort of you know male stand-ups, and then you yeah. go on and do that, it's so different. I imagine people would love it. It just varies really because sometimes people are at a comedy because they want to hear more sort of stand-uppy stuff. Yeah. Now I've got that within my stuff, and I'm really that's one thing I've really concentrated on is not gone. I'm just going to go up and do voices or I'm going to start a show as, oh, hello, it's me, Alan Carr. You enjoyed yourself, love. Yeah. Like, I want to make sure that I've got me in there and I'm talking to an audience yeah, and getting yeah. better at being me. Yeah. And having it, because, you know, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm someone who is, you know, I'm a massive fan of stand-up and, you know, like Alan Davis was sort of what got me into it, like, like when I had his videos and stuff like that. And so I was yeah. always a big fan of sort of straight, you know, stand-up and a mic. Yeah. So it's like I never wanted to lose that uh, within the impression side of things, but then also it was never someone that was like, oh, I don't do impressions anymore. Now I do this. Sure, yeah, you know? yeah. So it's like I don't think it's a thing that I want to sort of combine the two. Are there are there people, Im- impressionists who you look up to? Because I remember sort of being, I must have been about fifteen or sixteen. Yeah. Um, Alistair McGowan came to the theatre near where I grew up. Me and my dad went. And I yeah, thought that was amazing. Yeah, he's he was probably phenomenal. the first impressionist I ever saw. Completely, he's the one really like, and I'm sort of been really lucky recently to work with kind of all of them. Really, yeah. like, I'm I'm doing a show that comes out in September, 
um, called the Imitation Game, yeah. and that's like Rory Bremner is like the captain on one yeah. side, and Deborah Stevenson's on the other side, and I worked with like Jam Ravens on that, and um, Lewis McLeod and uh, Alistair McGowan. Yeah. But now I'm doing a show where I'm writing with Alistair McGowan for crazy, another show, and. And I used to watch Alistair Gowan when I was a kid, you know, yeah. and, and used to quote all of his stuff. And so, like, him walking into a room was a real sort of, you know, exciting thing. And I, I actually worked with him originally on a show called The Brexiteers, which was like a Radio 4 play, yeah. where I played Michael Gove and he played Boris Johnson. And we had to do this weird thing. I won't even do the Michael Gove because it's not very good. But, like, we, he sort of... He sort of turned up and, and and it was really... And he'd recommended me for the show. Yeah. And uh, and it was a real sort of weird moment. And it's only now that I've sort of got to know him that it's it's really interesting. We sat for an hour the other day and literally just talked about impressions. And, yeah. And sort of like how you go into them. And he's also an actor as well. So I think like we both come at it as sort of acting side of thing. Yeah, yeah. But both really love comedy and... Um, yeah, it's sort of so. Alistair, I, I think, is someone that I I looked up, I look up to, and still yeah. look up to. Um, but anyone really, like, I just I've always wanted to find different ways of doing it. Yeah. Because um, even though I remember watching Sean Walsh do a bit, do some impressions. Yeah, he and does that great thing where he does other comics. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And that is also a thing of like I do a lot of other comics. Like Ian Sterling's like one of my best mates. Yeah. And obviously, like I remember, like when me and Ian on the first meeting, I was sort of like. I was like, I really hope you become famous enough for me one day <laughs> really to me, me be able to do it. And then obviously he does Love Island. And it's like, tonight! And, and it's been great. <laughs> and uh, so cheers. ITV2, you know, they really helped me out. Impression um, well. But it's that thing of like, <laughs> it's easier to do comics yeah. because they found their thing. Yeah. So it's like, it's a thing I've never done is I would never want to do, you know, you know, my wife and Bora or like Vicky Pollard, you sure. know, because like for me, that's, two people's characters yeah. where there's a sort of greyer area with a stand-up he's you know Frankie Boyle you know you know he's got his character yeah you know uh, how you doing you're right how you doing it's nice to see you you're great but like it's but and you, he's got his way he does his jokes and yeah. that might not be him off stage but it's not a thing that audience don't go oh no that's Frankie Boyle as a character and audience go that's Frankie Boyle yeah so I can do Frankie Boyle on stage yeah. and try and subvert what he does and <laughs> make it you know I might have him as my relationship counsellor and going you know I think you breaking up with your wife's the funniest thing I've seen all week um, <laughs> and like you can do that because people see don't see him as a character yeah but it's a lot easier to do other comics because they found what's funny about them so then you, you're not going okay so like, what's funny about um Andy Murray, or what's funny about Jeremy Kyle. Sure, yeah. You know, yeah. For, so like, you know, I look at Jeremy Kyle and I know, I know all the things that he does and he's always, you know, submissive to people, you know, but that's not him being funny. It's yeah. just you're trying to find, observe what it, what is what is funny about Jeremy Kyle. I think it's really funny he's got this sort of arrogance, this sort of like, yeah, who do you think you are? You know, don't talk, it's my show and all that sort of thing. <laughs> and it's, it's like, I really enjoy that arrogance of him yeah. and then going, oh, what can I do with that? How can I put that? How can I deal, how can I have an audience member on stage with me and me treat, talk So would to you sort of Carl? do, like, for example, with the Jeremy Carl thing, Yeah. would you do like a, a, a an act out of the Jeremy Carl show but where the people are other celebrities 
Is yeah, that, the sort, of that thing that... sort of thing. Yeah, and I did that in my show. My second Edinburgh show was called um, Judy Dench Break My Heart, and that show was the whole the whole story was that I was marrying Judy Dench, but she might have cheated on me. Right. So I went on the Jeremy Carr show to sort okay. it out, <laughs> and we sort of were back on it, and, you know, and then we had to find out whether it you know she cheat on me with Louis Theroux or Tim Lovejoy, yeah, um, or Bradley Walsh was the sort of thing, and we she went on you know and we we sort of had flashbacks to her on the chase and okay, what yeah, might have yeah. happened there. Yeah. Um, it was a fuzzy show. Like I really enjoyed doing it, but, um, so that was, but, yeah, but that was a version of that. Yeah. Um, and, but now what I'm doing is sort of like talking, getting two people in the audience who are mates and sort of going, you know, like, I'm going to, you know, what, how would you feel if your mate started broing it off with someone else? Your bromance, how do you feel about that? And they go, oh, I don't know. Yeah, you'd be devastated, wouldn't you? <laughs> Say you were devastated. And they go, oh, yeah, I would be devastated. Right, and the only way to sort it out would be live on stage in a mock-up of the daytime TV show. Up you come. <laughs> like that. And then you get him and his mate up, and then you go, like, how did you two meet? And, you know, and they say, oh, you know, we met, uh, you know, one last night, he goes, hey, we met skiing. And I was like, you guys skiing, idiot? You know, and all that sort of thing. And, and then I go, right, we're going to bring out the person who sunk your friendship. Sunk your friendship, get shut up. And then, like, bringing Andy Murray and going, oh, yeah, we actually met skiing. And, like, yeah. and sort of just seeing how that plays out. And it's, but I think I enjoy that because as, a, as, a, as I can be that strong, arrogant bloke yeah. as Jeremy Kyle. Yeah. And so then I have no fear with an audience because they can't, they can't back, you know, like, even in a club where you've got to pit someone who's drunk, yeah. you know, you can still be like, Shut up! Who do you think you are? It's my show. Get down there and like you know, <laughs> boo him, ladies and gentlemen, all that sort of thing. It's so, amazing yeah. how every time I've watched Jeremy Kyle's show, mm. he's got such like incredible arrogance. Yeah, that's really based on nothing no. other, than, other than he's just a man on TV. Also, he's, he's really like achieved nothing. And or... you look into his like you know like the, his life. Yeah, like. He's not had a clean... He recently got cheated on his wife. Exactly. Or... With the babysitter. Yeah. Like, literally, <laughs> it's like Black Mirror. Like, and and so, so the thing is, like, you know, you're eating cooler. You know, like, it's like, mate, you're that guy. But I love it. And my favourite thing is him sitting down. At, you know, he just, like, sits down at the side of the stage. You know, I'm going to wait till this plays out. He does then... this great thing where he'll, like, kneel. Oh, yeah. And, and love the kneel. Like, it's, it's, like, amazing. That's the thing is, when everyone Coils. knows about that. So I, I, on stage, like, I'll literally sort of chat to these two people and then I will do yeah. the kneel. Yeah. And you don't even have to say anything in the audience. Just like, and that, oh, again, those are just observations. And this is my argument with a lot of, like, sort of, there's some reactions to older club comics who mm. will sort of go, oh, oh, you do impressions, do you? Oh, right, yeah. The thing you used to do that and all that. Stuff. And it's like, but there's still observations and there's still your opinion yeah. about that person or about what that person is talking about. Yeah. In the same way that you would go, you know, plain food's horrible. Yeah. But it's your opinion through a character. Yeah. Which I think kind it's of so comedy clever. anyway, you know. Yeah. I think impressions are so... I've always thought they're amazing. Mm. But I remember... Slice of Silence. Slice of Silence. Are they at least your phone's charging? Me? Yeah. <laughs> I, I remember in Edinburgh um, talking to Matt Ford. Oh, yeah. And with we, Matt, I'm working with Matt at the moment. Yeah, he, and we, we were doing this, this weird sort of show together in Edinburgh. And he was doing this impression of Trump. Yeah. Which was like... It was. I was like crying, laughing. It was so funny. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. He said it's really hard because he enjoys doing it so much. Yeah. He finds himself at home, like spending hours just being done, just doing oh, yeah, everything as Donald Trump. It does. It does my wife's head in because, <laughs> okay. like, I, I, it's as soon as I get obsessed with something. Yeah. Like at the moment, I'm watching Queer Eye. Have you seen Queer Eye? Oh yeah. And it's just like I'm like, yes, Jonathan Van Ness is like my favorite, <laughs> and it's like all his little sayings. Like I just yeah. love how like 
I could never get away with those sayings. And I've started talking about this on stage. Are they it's sort of... Dog's not um, he does bark from other rooms. But like, and that's the thing. And I also then talk to my wife all the time in and just like, you know, morning and just yeah. like, you, oh my God, you were a cute AF. And like, <laughs> and just, but I, I just enjoy voices. And it's, it's funny what Matt said there about Donald Trump because the same thing. I remember when I, you know, when Donald Trump was kind of helped me because yeah. I did the, I need to start doing this. <laughs> What's he barking about? Uh, absolutely nothing. Because he's not getting attention. Are you bringing him back? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll leave this in. Sorry, mate. Back. Um, yeah, like what Matt was saying about uh, Trump, because for me, like I got on the Now Show. Um, the day of the American election. Oh, right. And it was wow. one of these things that, like... And it was basically because they'd heard me do this Trump impression. Yeah. So, like... And I was watching the American election that night thinking, well, if he does get in... Like, <laughs> yeah. It's not the worst thing in the world for me. <laughs> and uh, so, you know, and that was a thing for two years then, doing the Now Show. Yeah. was a real... A great thing because it was going from, like, you know, just launching into that Radio 4 sort of world. Yeah. Um, and the great thing about Trump is he has got... You know, the way that he, he's got this kind of fantastic performance in what he says. You know, it's great. And it's, it's you know, he's got all those sayings. Great, fantastic, bigly good. And all those things that you can pick out quite easily then. Yeah. And it's and I, it's, it's so interesting what Matt said because that is so it. You just go, yeah. you're interesting to watch. Yeah. And it's really hard to do people that you don't like or you don't find interesting. Yeah. Now, I don't like Donald Trump, but I do find him interesting. Yeah. And you can't help but go... That's it's fascinating. It's fascinating. It? Yeah. And seeing him do a speech, and you compare like him doing a speech and then someone like Russell Brand doing a speech, where like, you know, Russell's, you know, he's got all uh, the language and he's, you know, he, even though sometimes I go, mate, mate, but he's got like, you know, the rolling of the R's and all that sort of thing. It's like, it's so interesting. Again, completely different, but someone fascinating to watch as, yeah. a, as a speaker, sort of thing. You do, I mean, like, you, without talking too much about Trump, but mm. he, he's like a. When he does speeches and he talks, you could, I find I can't take my eyes off him. I when know. He's talk, he has got like a charisma. And I it. know he has. And then, but that's why he is where he is. Yeah. Because he's got that charisma and that arrogance of like, I'll be doing this. Do you know what was really funny? Um, my friend was in um, the One Man, Two Governors play, Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Um, and when it was in on Broadway, mm. Trump came to watch oh, one, really? one night. And this was, this was like five, six years ago. And... Um, there's a bit in the show, I don't know if you saw it, where James Corden gets someone from the audience up on stage. Yes, yeah, and yeah, yeah. And he thought it'd be funny to get Trump up. Because no. he knew he was in the audience. So so Trump came up and they were doing all this, like, you know, joking around. And, and apparently he was, like, really funny. And and then after they did it, he they sort of ushered him into the wings and they gave him a round of applause. Mm. And... Um, I said to my friend, "What did you? What was he like in, in the wings after he'd been on stage?" Yeah. And this is, and he said that he behaved like he was the president of this. He said this before. He, he, oh, really? He like he was the president of America. Really? Like he was walking up to sort of stage technicians and shaking their hand and acting like it was yeah, a big they deal were for pleased them to, to meet, meet him. Yeah. It's just mad that he would say that before he. Yeah. Even yeah. 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 It reminds me very much of a story of when Susan Boyle came to watch me in Les Mis. <laughs> she came to see me. Susan Boyle came to see Les Mis and like, this was like height of her fame. Yeah. And we were doing Les Mis in Edinburgh 
and uh, she's completely opposite to Donald Trump. She bought a ticket, right, where, and they were basically sold out, and she so she sat right at the back, and they were trying to organise it because it was such a big deal that she was going to be there. Yeah, yeah. And then, so they brought her on stage after they all met her, and she was just this quiet little mouse thing. Yeah. And she's just sort of was like, bless her, she just didn't want any of all that publicity. Yeah. Um, yeah, very much opposite <laughs> of Donald Trump. Um, I, I saw... Um... The other really funny I wanted to talk to you about, but I haven't seen you since you did it. You did Arsene Wenger's impression to Arsene yeah, man. Wenger. Yeah, yeah. What the fuck was that like? Amazing. Yeah. Like I'm an Ar- he's Arsenal like one of your fan. Heroes, I mean, yeah. I've never known a different Arsenal manager. Yeah. Uh, since I've supported Arsenal, and yeah. basically it happened because Rob Beckett asked me to do this gig for the Arsenal Foundation, and, yeah. And uh, so I went along, and it was uh, I was so I said no. When Rob asked me to do it, I was like, nah, not doing that because I'll die. It'll be awful. And yeah. the last thing I want to do is die in front of Per Mertesacker. Um, but so he... wait, when you do, is it in front of the whole squad? No, this was what I was worried about. I thought it was going to be that. Right. And then I text Rob going, I don't want to do it. <laughs> I yeah. said, like, thanks so much. I just don't, I don't know if I'm ready sort of thing. And yeah. he was like, oh, don't worry. You know, because as often there's not players there. And, and he said, you've only got to do 10 minutes and stuff like that. And I was like, yeah. oh, okay. Because I'd done a gig like, about three weeks ago with myself and Russell Kane yeah. and I really like Russell Kane you know he was one of uh, you know yeah, sort of yeah. big influences of mine when I was still doing musical theatre and he used to go and quote his stuff and I'd seen him in gigs and stuff like that just before he'd done Live at the Apollo and um, and I'd done a gig with Russell Kane and it went fine like yeah. I did fine I did like half an hour it went fine Russell was incredible yeah. but I'd come away going oh, yeah, it wasn't great you know and I felt a bit icky about it Yeah. so that was like oh that's going to happen the same again and Rob was emceeing it and um, Josh Widdicombe was on as well and I was like oh, I don't want to do bad in front of you know uh, yeah. anyway but Rob convinced me to do it so I went and did <laughs> it, and it, when it, when it and it went great you know and I talk about uh, being an Arsenal fan in my stand up and I did some Wenger there's all people at work at the Arsenal yeah. and I was sort of like you know do I pay your wages yes and, and just did yeah, they like they must have loved it and they went mad for it and it yeah. was great you know and it was such a and one of the best gigs I've ever done amazing but the woman who sort of organised the event she came up to me after and said oh I didn't realise you are an Arsenal fan and I'd have got because she gave Rob some signed uh Jack Wilshere boots. Right. And uh, she was like, I didn't realise you were an Arsenal fan. Um, let me, she gave me a card. She went, message me tomorrow and we'll sort something out. So I messaged her to say, oh, we know I love to be in part of the gig. And she said, oh, do you want to come and sit in the director's box on Sunday? Now, director's box, like, money can't buy that wow. ticket. Yeah, yeah. So, and Rob Is that where said, Rob sits? Yeah. yeah. Well, no, I think Rob's done it a couple of times. Yeah. But it's incredible. Mm. And so then Rob was like, you have to do it. It's amazing. Yeah. So I went along. So I was her guest and I took uh, Ben Clark, who, um, from Pappies, who's like, yeah. he directs my shows. Um, and, uh, you know, he's a really good mate. And yeah, so we went along and, you know, sitting there meeting all Arsenal legends like Pat Rice, who was like the Arsenal assistant manager yeah. and used to play for the club. And then like all the people that like run the club, the execs and stuff. And they were like, oh, you know, they'd all said, oh, Arsenal's going to be here. Yeah. Um, and they, she was getting me to do my impression to everyone, and it was and it was good fun. She was being really good. And <laughs> she's she was, sort of wheeling you out. To oh, do... brilliant! But but it was great because it's it wasn't that thing of like me going, "Hey, yeah, uh, want to hear my impression of <laughs> the guy you work with?" Um, and I was just loving it. I was loving it from start to finish. And then he walked in, and it was a real moment. There's not many people that walk in and you go, "Oh, do you?" Yeah. That is 
that's Arsene Wenger. Yeah, yeah. Like, and you're like, that's the man. And he walked in, the whole room went a bit quiet. Yeah. And he went around saying hello to everyone. It's before the match and sort of, you know, being nice to all the people he needed to be nice to. And uh, he came over and she went, oh, Arsene, Arsene. Uh, this is Luke. He's a comedian and an impressionist. He did a gig for the Arsenal Foundation. And he was like, oh, yes, very well done. And uh, she went, oh, uh, can uh, he get a picture with you? And he was like, yes, of course. So we like took the picture. And then uh, she was like, oh, Luke, you've got to do your impression of Arsene for him. Yeah. And my heart was oh, just God. jumping out of my stomach <laughs> but I was like I've got to do it I yeah. was shaking from like, actually having my arm around him you yeah, know yeah, and trying yeah. not to kiss him so and I literally <laughs> was sort of went um and I just and uh, she went and, and it was sort of this moment of like that felt like forever and I went oh, I've yeah. got to do it so I just was like oh look, it's very nice to meet you uh, it's an honour good luck for today and yeah. he just sort of looked at me and, yeah, very good and, and then walked <laughs> off but it was it was amazing and, he, and I sort of credit to him because he could have gone all right. Or, yeah, yeah. And the, the thing is, like, he was sort of, he's one of these people that, like, I remember, like, meeting, like, Cameron McIntosh in that sort of, like, he's so the most important person in the room. Yeah. He doesn't need to give you any attention. Yeah. So, like, the fact he sort of gave me an eye contact, hello, nice to meet you. Yeah. And even, he was still a little bit like, who else have I got to talk to? Yeah. But he gave me enough time that I will treasure forever, you know? Like, it was one of the best moments of my entire life. It's weird because he doesn't, his hand. that is amazing. But he doesn't strike me as the sort of person who would enjoy, particularly enjoy all that attention because mm. he's quite shy and quite... No, he's got an ego. But yeah, you're right. <laughs> he's quite shy. I don't think his hearing's great either. Like someone no. was saying to me, his hearing's not great. But yeah. he loves... Um, my mate is uh, from my sort of musical theatre days. They do like a Jersey Boys tribute band. Yeah. And uh, they did a gig for all the Arsenal team, mm. the big, big charity do. And uh, Arsene Wenger like, loves the Jersey Boys. <laughs> really? And he's got a picture of them all and stuff like that. And he was like, he like, said it was like one of the best things he's ever seen. Really? Stuff like that. So that's what he's into. That's what I should have done. Sung some Frankie <laughs> Valley to him. Um, that's so uh, mad though, isn't it? Yeah. Is that yeah. the only person that you've done their impression to? No, there's a, there's a few now. I've done... I did Jim Carter, who's Mr. Carson in Downton Abbey. Oh, okay. Because yeah. that was my first show, was yeah. uh, The Only Way is Downton. Yeah. Um, and uh, and I did, yeah, like, did, I met him and, I, and, and yeah, just sort of did the impression for him and was just, you know, nice to meet you, Mr. Carson. And uh, he was good. He was very much, he's an actor as well. So he was like, <laughs> he was like, nice to meet you too. Like that. Yeah. And sort of, it was nice that he played into it. Um so, you know, that was great and like and I've done it in front of Biggins, Christopher Biggins right, is someone yeah, I do yeah. and like you know, and uh, uh and I just sort of was like, Well, darling, it's lovely to meet you. And he said, Oh my god, it's like there's two of us and it was <laughs> that was really fun. Uh and I've done it for Alexander Armstrong. Uh, oh, right, yeah. So we did an interview. He's quite a hard person to impersonate, isn't he? Well, he's sort of similar to those two people that I've just done, really, because he's got that kind of you know, he's very low, you know, he's got that kind of yeah. pointless. Thank you. Very good. Well done. Okay. Great. <laughs> and like, and I just like, I, whenever I do him, I just like doing all those things and just keep yeah. seeing how long you can just come up with different words to just, <laughs> yeah. just fill time and just go, okay, brilliant. Fantastic. Yeah. Great. Right. The, okay. The, when yeah. they do that, um, when uh, him and Richard Osman yeah, do that, yeah. like sort of like scripted banter yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, on yeah, 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 yeah. I always, it's amazing because it's so great. awkward and yeah, so Yeah, dry. yeah, yeah, yeah. But he's so good, and now, and I've been working with uh, Alex, uh, Alexander Armstrong in this, yeah. this ITV show, and he because he's come from like sketch comedy, yeah. he loves it and really like wants to do more. Like he gets when he gets to do more jokes, yeah, yeah. Like and he's such a good presenter, like straight like sort of um, auto cue down the line. He's yeah. like delivers his jokes so well, 
And uh, so he was really good fun to do it with. And uh, yeah, so it's, yeah, and like Kim Wood, oh, well, of course, from doing Big Brother, yeah. so that like, I do Big Brother's bit on the side. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, at the end of every series, I do impressions of all the housemates to them in the studio. Yeah. So actually, thinking about it, there's like a hundred housemates I've done now to their face. And people take it in different ways. Like some people love to come up and say, you didn't get me. Right, you didn't. yeah. Like Boris Johnson's sister. Yeah. I, mean, I can't remember her name, which is terrible. I've just called her Boris Johnson's sister. But um, this is the <laughs> calibre of calibre of celebrity celebrities you get in Celebrity Big Brother. <laughs> but she was like, you didn't get me. You didn't get me. Like that. And I was sort of like, oh, okay. Really? Like, you know, and it, and it happens on the civilian Big Brother. Yeah. That people go and goes, yeah, you've not, you've got some of the others, but not me. You've not got me. And I'm like literally going, why are you saying it? And like, a, oh, I'm so worried I didn't get you. Because you're, <laughs> yeah, yeah. so, you're really going to use you in a gig. And I can't remember your name. <laughs> Lose uh, your job because you didn't get that person. I know. And it's also like, I'm doing 17 to 8 to 20 housemates. Yeah. Half of them are women. Yeah. Which is obviously harder as a bloke. Yeah. So it's like, People just, I think people take it for granted that you don't just go, you know, you don't just wake up and go, all right, I can do that person today. Like, sure. it takes a lot of time and you've got yeah, to find course. it in your voice and, yeah. Yeah, it's nice. Yeah. yeah, yeah, so it's all sorts, really. Yeah, so what's the what's the sort of plan for the rest of the year, then? You've got this show in September. So I've got the show that comes out in September, that's all filmed yeah. now, uh, and I think that's, like, the probably the most high-profile thing I've ever done. Yeah. Um, so that's on ITV. That's on ITV One. Wow. Uh, yeah. And that comes out yeah in September. So that's yeah. gonna be that's a big Saturday night show. So oh, that's cool. really really Called exciting. The imitation game. Imitation game. Yeah. yeah. Um, and that's you and it's me, Jess Robinson, yeah. Rory Bremner, Deborah Stevenson, Jam Ravens, um, Alistair McGowan. So it's it's so I'm really excited for that to come out. And that's like a panel show for impressionists. It's yeah. like basically it's like sorry I haven't a clue. Yeah. But with impressionists and it's lots of games and like there's we did a game where it was like um like blind date, but there was three of us behind this screen and it was me, Rory Bremner and the actual Christopher Biggins. <laughs> and where we all had to read out our answers yeah. as Christopher Biggins and Deborah had to guess yes, which is the actual which was the actual Christopher Biggins really and she guessed me which was really? amazing I don't know if, really I don't know if she did it for the sake of the TV show but she says she didn't so I'm taking <laughs> that um, so that comes out in September and I'm working on another show called The Week That Wasn't yeah. uh, which is coming out of Sky One on the 17th of May oh close uh, so that's so we've been and basically that's like where we redub clips yeah. so we'll have a clip of like you know, like the other day there was Sir Alex Ferguson giving an award to Arsene Wenger and Mourinho and basically like, you, look, I look at that clip and I go, oh, you know, what could we do with that? And then yeah. Phil Kerr writes in it a lot, he's, he's an amazing writer. So me and Phil will go off into a room and we'll write a sketch around that, <laughs> yeah. then revoice it. Yeah. And Alistair McGowan will then come and some do the voices or he'll have written a sketch that I'll come and do some voices on. And, yeah, um, yeah. And it's topical as well. So we do some stuff like two days, bef- two days beforehand that's sort of, you know, topical stuff. Yeah. And that's a lot of fun. Yeah, so that's 10 episodes. Uh, so I'm really excited for that to come out. Yeah. Um, Do you think it's weird? Because it, yeah. in America, there's um, obviously Saturday Night Live yeah. is such a massive I know. institution. And they've tried so many times here to, to recreate it, haven't they? And it seems so mad that they haven't got it. They haven't got that show to work here. Yeah. Because for me, it sort of seems so British comedy for it to work. Yeah. Live. yeah. It feels like a show like... You know, look at like sort of like in the nineties of like Noel's House Party or like yeah, and even later sort of big live Saturday night like Brian Conley show that sort of like things that I grew up watching. 
that they don't seem to have the budget to do in the same way. Yeah. And the trust, it's trust, a lot of it. Like, you know, Saturday Night Live will get someone who's fairly unknown to an audience. And yeah. Then, but they're not unknown once they're on Saturday Night Live. Yeah. And it's like, I watch Saturday Night Live, I'm like, like that's the dream. Yeah. Is, you know, I look at like Jay Farrow on that and I'm just like, oh my God, oh, yeah, you're he's amazing. So funny, and yeah. He's so good. And he tours us in, and then I'm just like, that would be the dream to get to do that. Yeah, sketches doing different characters, but you also get to be yourself and all that. I mean, it would just be amazing. But it's weird. I kind of work. feel like because the last one I can remember them trying was the Tonightly Show. Remember yes. that on ITV? Which one was that? Well, they had like a different host each. Oh week. yeah, 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 yeah. But I kind of feel like whenever they try and make like a Saturday Night Live, mm-hmm. it's always built up too much. Yeah, and it's always they put so much pressure on. And it, I feel like the the British public sort of decide they don't like it before it's even well completely. And we did it trailed all the time. And I there's know. posters everywhere. And, and it's I suppose it's a difficult balance really because I, I did a show called um, Host of the Week, um, which yeah. was on Channel Four, and we yeah, we did it. We got pulled after one episode, um, and it was such a shame. Oh, yeah, is it the Tiger Aspect thing? Yeah, 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 yeah. So we did nine months of work on it. Yeah, and um, basically, like it, it. it every pilot was great and the whole idea was the host didn't it didn't know what was happening it was very loosely based on another show called thank god you're here yeah an american show yeah and, I've seen um, that. it's yeah, it's yeah. amazing yeah. and it so was working the cast was insane with like steam Copolis, colin holt mary lawrence um camille chan like it was like a really yeah. amazing cast and um and it just didn't work on yeah. that screen and i don't know i think it's because they need to give stuff time yeah. Because you don't, like you say, everything's built up so much that it's got a hit and Twitter's got to love it. Uh, yeah. And everyone's got, to, uh, you know, everyone's got to go mad for it on, on socially and it's got to get great viewers. Yeah. And it's like, you can't do that. You have to let stuff grow. Yeah. And find its audience and find what it is on on screen. Yeah. And learn from mistakes each week. But unfortunately... But, it's it's sort of, but all the things time. that sort of, like, I've done do really well. Like, there's a show... This country, do you watch this yeah, country? Yeah, yeah, it's amazing. amazing. Yeah, but it, it was one of those things where it, it's there was no hype about mm. it, or it just started, and then eventually people start, started going, "Oh, this is actually because they." Found and I would it. hear from like four or five different people, "Oh, this is really funny." Yeah, yeah, and then it builds, but all of those like big Saturday night things, they're always just built up way too much. Yeah, and it's it's such a shame because Saturday Night Live should work here. Yeah, like there's no reason why. It's our comedy. Yeah. You know, like anytime you put those sketches up on Facebook, they get shared by everyone here. Yeah, yeah. You know, and it's not, I don't mean like just like our comedian mates. It's like my mum's mates are all putting it all on their Facebook and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. Like we get it here. Yeah. And we want to like, you know, like the Now Show is is that on yeah. the radio. Yeah. You know, and it's like, but you do that and you, you ramp it up and you have sketches and you have people doing the impressions as well as like news. I mean, it's still there to work. Yeah. And eventually they'll get it right here. It will happen. Um, otherwise I've got to go over to America <laughs> and beg to be in that show. Do you, do you think about going working in America or? Well, I did. I worked in America with, so my first show was called The Only Way is Downton, which was yeah. sort of how I got into comedy really. Yeah. Because I started by putting videos Going right back, you know, like I finished doing South Pacific and then started putting videos on YouTube yeah. of me doing impressions and doing sketches. And I did one that was called Downstairs at Downton, where I played 12 different Downton Abbey characters all within a sort of sketch. Yeah. And, uh, and Stephen Fry uh, tweeted about it. 
Yeah. And that was when Stephen Fry was literally the guy on Twitter. Yeah, yeah. And and my phone like, melted like yeah. uh, on the day. And so it like went from that to then I wrote uh, The Only Way Is Downson, which I did in Edinburgh yeah. in a tiny 45-seater room. Yeah. You know, the Pleasance of This? The... Yeah, 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 yeah. I yeah. found that room. Yeah, it's yeah. an amazing room. Yeah. That was my first year at Edinburgh and it went amazing. And then I did it Edinburgh again the next year uh, in, a bi- in a bigger room. Um, and then... Then I did it in America. Yeah. Because they love downtime. I bet, yeah, yeah. So then myself and the director, Owen Lewis, and another writer called Jeremy Lim, uh, we rewrote it for American audience. So then it was called America's Got Downton. And we did it, uh, sort of toured it around North America. Really? And it was an amazing experience. They're a very different audience out there. Um, what sort of size venues were you doing? Oh, it was like, it really varied, really, because if places could get it right yeah. and market it really well, like... We sold out like 750 seats. What? Mate. In America? It was insane. But then... What, you've never been to America? No. And 750... It's because it's Downton. Like, it was not me. But but then it would go from that to them being in like some little place in the middle of the state of New York. And and like like 30 tickets. So it was really weird. But then when I did it in Toronto... So what, you... Sorry, so just you sold that on the tickets purely off that YouTube video? No, 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 no. It was off Downton Abbey. They, okay, they right. were massive. They weren't fans of me. They were fans of Downton Abbey, and they saw that the show was a spoof of Downton Abbey. Okay, right. And they are mad for Downton Abbey. Yeah, they? yeah. So that's so that's how we knew we could get it out there. So some American promoter said, "I think we could." Yeah, do it yeah, yeah. Well, it worked. With, so James Seabright, who produced my show here, yeah, he's got really good links, and he produced a show called Potted Potter, okay, which has been all over the world. Okay. Yeah. Um, and so he sort of used that same sort of business model, yeah, to get Downton over in America, and it was it was it was great. It's one of those things, it's like, it was amazing, but then also it's incredibly lonely. Yeah. You know, like I wasn't out there with a support act. Yeah. So I was out there with a tour manager and, you know, in the middle of Ohio and just like miserable. Like, yeah, it was yeah. like the show was great, but then you're like coming off stage and it's like, well, no one's awake at home. And, and it's, yeah. so it's quite a weird thing. But then doing it in Toronto was amazing because that was like in one theatre and they, they've got really good theatre um sort of passion for theatre there and like they sold it really well there and it was um that was an amazing month I did a month in one venue and it was incredible um and that's sort of what launched everything really but it got to the point where I was like you know someone said to me oh you're gonna do the only way is Game of Thrones Mm. and I was sort of like I didn't want to do that because I didn't want to become the guy that does that that was my thing it was like big tv show yeah. And and because what we, in Downton, they went on different shows. They had to raise money to save the Abbey. So they yeah. went on shows like Bake Off and Pointless and um, X Factor and stuff. That was a way of getting in different um, yeah. different shows. And then over in America, changed it to more American shows and stuff. Yeah. But I just didn't want that to be, that's all I did. And I yeah. wanted people to know me a bit more so I could be on a panel show and I could do an eight out of 10 cats one day yeah. and not just be, oh, well, only if he's playing Mr. Carson. Sure. Yeah. 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 So then that was where it was like, right, well now I've got to get into a club. Mm. And so then I went into a gig and I did monkey business. Oh, from <laughs> and went in and did five and went, okay, I have a lot to learn. And um, because I just sort of didn't know what to do really. Yeah. So then it's, that's been now three years since then. And I still feel like it's great because it's one of those things. It's like I got in, knew a lot of people, yeah. and had built up a bit of a following. Yeah. So that was great. But then also it was like starting school again, because then I was suddenly like you know doing um, these gigs 
and then I was suddenly getting some gigs that I wasn't ready for. Yeah. So I was getting like ABC gigs and not knowing, like not being ready sure, to be on yeah. a bill with James Acaster. Sure, yeah. So then I had a sort of real kind of like, I had an audience that expected you to be better than you were, so were kind of nice because they were like, yeah. I don't know, it was a weird sort of thing and I, I just had to learn very, very quickly. You kind of did it like the other way around. Like, yeah. So for, so for me, well, most people, you sort of do five minutes and then it would get bigger and bigger and then you do an hour. Mm. You did an hour and then mm. and then went back to doing five minutes. Yeah, and didn't know how to do five minutes. Yeah. Because I couldn't go, like, I mean, Ian Sterling just used to go, just do just do five minutes of the downs and stuff. I was like, it's yeah. not, it doesn't work like that because that was a whole show. Yeah. I couldn't pluck stuff out. So I had to, I, I, I then started doing this set which was Andy Murray was, his girlfriend had left, no, his partner had left him. Yeah. So he needed advice from his mates. So yeah. then it was getting in different people and then suddenly like Alan Carr would come in and different people would say, you know, and he'd be like, oh, I don't know how I'm going to do this. And <laughs> and then eventually I think at the end it was like, and it turned out, I think it was Alan Carr was his partner or something like that. Okay, yeah. But then I eventually <laughs> changed that to it being me saying, oh, at the beginning of the year, guys, my partner broke up with me. Yeah. Um. So, but the good thing is I've got lots of mates and and then uh, then got the impressions in that yeah, way. Yeah, yeah. And then I started been writing more stand-up at the top and sort of taking the mickey out of like... Uh, about going at how, how you crowbar impressions into things yeah and and what it's like to be an impressionist so then that's how I built sort of stand up before it then did a sketch and now I can put in sketches that I do in my show into sets and stuff so do like you that. feel now like you feel happy with, with the way no not way yet I mean it's one of those things like I run a night uh, at, at um, 2 North Down once a month. Oh, yeah, I like that. Uh, yeah, 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 you have to come, mate. Yeah, come down yeah, and do yeah. it. So it's, it's like a new material night, really. Yeah. But it was, um, my agent said, you've got to do, you've got to run your own night because it will force you to MC. It will force you to be yourself yeah. on stage. Yeah. And it will force you to sometimes have sold five tickets and you've got to make that night work mm. amongst comics. Like, like, you know, I've got lots of mates that are varying different profiles and stuff like that. So it's like, you're getting off someone, getting someone on who's brilliant, and it's like you've got to put that night to be good. Yeah, yeah. And that has taught me so much, and and it's been the most enjoyable thing ever. Yeah, is to really sort of get confidence of going. Oh, I can do this. Mm. I still don't think that like, I still don't feel like I'm that guy that can go and do the comedy store over a weekend. Yeah. Um, but I've done. Is that a big ambition of yours, or? or... I don't think it is. I think it's. I think my head is always going, you've got to prove yourself to everybody. And you've got, my sister's a stand-up um, as well, Suze Kempner. And yeah. so like, and she started before me. And I think like, I've always felt like my mum thinks that my sister's more as serious than what I do. So then I've had this thing of like going, oh, I've got to prove to my mum and my sister that I can be, I can do hard-hitting stand-up. <laughs> and as well within what I do. Yeah. And it's so, and, and it's only this year and it was a really good interview I heard with James Acaster, which made me think, no, you've got to do what you enjoy. Yeah. And I really enjoy being Andy Murray having a, in the McDonald's birthday area. Yeah. And that, and really enjoy playing with that. And it's like, so that's, so that it's only this year that's, and being, doing my night where I could just be myself, muck around with an audience. Yeah, yeah. And learning of what, how I got into it in the first place and stop going, what do I need to write to prove to everyone? And just write what I think is funny. I think it's weird that I think there's so many, like the way the industry feels like it's going. I think there's so many different ways of doing it nowadays. Mm. It used to be, yeah. it used to be that you had to, the only way you could get on telly is by 
sort of conquering the clubs. Yeah. And then you'd... Yeah. There's so many different ways and it doesn't matter that stuff as much anymore. Or... I think you're absolutely right, but it's it's very hard to get that out of your head of like... Yeah. Because I came into the, the, the stand-up circuit, well, the circuit at all, even mm. the sketch circuit, of like, I'm this guy that's just done the show in America. Yeah. And then I'm going... Can I have five minutes, please? I don't know anybody. Yeah. And I'm like, I, I'm a friend of mine knew my, my investment and was like, he'll get you on for five minutes. That's exactly and how I got on. Oh, really? It was my first yeah. gig that, and I only got it because really? like, a mate of mine knew him. Yeah. And then when I met him, I remember thinking he was a he must be quite a big deal. Yeah. Because he was the only comedy promoter I knew. Of course. So yeah. I was like, I've really got to impress this yeah, guy. Yeah, yeah, of course. Yeah. And it's still like what I, I uh, not what I feel about Martin, but like, it's still what I feel about a lot of different gigs yeah. of like, and it's and it's I'm still at that point where I'm having to try and impress people. Like people don't know who I am, you know. And and you think you think everyone sort of knows. You think the world revolves around you, and it just doesn't. Yeah. And and I've managed to get into some circuits, and I, you know, Kevin Precious is very nice and gives me lots yeah. of gigs, and that's that's great. But like I'm still not there into the '99 Club or into these kind of like worlds where you've got loads of gigs going on. Yeah. And I. It's something I've never wanted. To, like I, I'm someone who loves working and I love being busy. Yeah. And if I've got a week off, I'm gigging. You know, I'm trying to. But I'm still. I think that's the thing I've not quite conquered is like where I can just get in, go and do top secret or thing. I feel like that's yeah. a world I still need to be a part of the world where people go. Oh yeah, we'll get Luke on. We'll get Luke on. And it's like that's why I'm still trying to build and build and build. Yeah. And I'm passionate to conquer that in my head, sort of thing. There we go, Luke Kempner, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, I hope you enjoyed that as much as I did. I think Luke's amazing. Um, if you don't know about Luke, you should go and check him out. He's done loads of really funny, amazing stuff. Um, so go and look him up on YouTube and he's great. So um, thank you to Luke for coming on. And as always, thanks to everyone who helps make this podcast possible. Joel Grove, who produces it. Uh, Will Shahada for the editing. And uh, my manager, Rick Hughes, for the help. Um, that's it we'll be back next week with another guest another chat keep listening subscribe tell your mates and I'll see you next week deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for mother's day than whole foods market they're your destination for unbeatable savings from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts start by saving 33 with prime on all body care and candles then get a 15 stem bunch of tulips for just 9.99 each with prime round out mom's menu with festive rosé irresistible berry chantilly cake and more special treats come celebrate mother's day at whole foods market a a lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. 
United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com.